I'm Angela Kelly Robeck, host of the Empowered Principal Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Jan Fried, PhD, and she is a leading development consultant and author. Her latest book, Breadcrumb Legacy, How Great Leaders Live a Life Worth Remembering, is a must read. Uh, You're going to hear us talking about the importance of finding your purpose and understanding legacy. Oh, what a cool conversation. So much to learn. And by the the way, before you go, it would be so cool if you uh, went to my website, stephenmaletto.com slash reviews and uh, left uh, your thoughts thoughts about the the podcast could you do that for me that would be so cool you know that's how we get found in podcast land and that's the easiest way you can also do it on your app that you're listening to me on now so uh could you take time to do that thanks so much you are awesome enjoy the show it's the education podcast your favorite show with lots of groovy guests and they share what they know so crank it up to 10 and let your neighbors know that here's another show with dr steve teaching learning leading K-12, teaching, learning, leading, K-12, teaching, learning, leading, K-12, ah, ah, with Dot Stimoletto. Jan Fried, PhD, is author of the new book, Breadcrumb Legacy, How Great Leaders Live a Life Worth Remembering, just published by Routledge. Based on in-depth interviews with leaders in business and non-business areas, Jan's book serves as a guide to leaving a trail of meaning throughout your life and career. Its inspirational and practical stories highlight how to live a life worth remembering. A leading development consultant and previously published author, Jan helps engage her client company's employees as well as uh, uh, develop their leaders so as to support achievement of individual potential on a daily basis. Like a human GPS, Jan helps organizations and individuals get from where they are to today, where they want to be in the future, at every age and stage of life. Jan, thanks so much for joining me today. It's great to have you on the show and say hi to everyone. Well, hello, and thank you very much for inviting me as a guest. Well, I'm glad you're here, and uh, um, there's all kinds of cool stuff that you have in your background. And one of the things that you have uh, um, done is you've, you you teach a graduate-level leadership course at the University of Iowa. Is there something that you consider a constant question that you find yourself addressing when working with graduate students? Well, it's interesting. I teach one course um, a year, and so uh, where I used to teach full-time. But one question I would say is, it always starts with self-awareness. You know, so many people end up in leadership positions. Now, my definition of a leader is someone who's in the position to influence the lives of others. So that's a very broad definition. It includes parents, teachers, coaches, pastors. So if you're in a position to influence the lives of others, you're in a leadership position. So it really starts with self-awareness. And what I have found in my 30 years of teaching and now uh, almost 11 years of full-time consulting is that many people fall into leadership positions without really any preparation, without even thinking much about it. And so what they often do is rely on, well, what do, you know, what kind of leaders did they work under? And so sometimes, you know, again, leadership doesn't have to be positive. Somebody can have a very negative. In fact, one of the questions I like to ask in workshops is how many of you have worked under what you would consider to be a bad leader, you know, negative influence, and the hands just fly up in the air. 
So I think, you know, I would say self-awareness. It starts with the self. That's awesome. You know, it's, uh, um, and it, it, you're so right. I think a lot of times, you know, people get afraid to, to ask or, you know, an opportunity is presented to them and they may not have had the training nor ex- expected the opportunity to come there. And so they take a position and the next thing you know, it's, it's like, Ooh, okay, now I got it. So what do I do? You know, exactly, exactly. That's a problem. <laughs> Most definitely. Uh, you know, you're a published author before we talk about the book that is now available. Could you talk about uh, your book leading with wisdom, sage advice from a hundred experts where you interview prominent leadership gurus, such as Jim Autry, Marshall Goldsmith, Sally Hegelson, and Dan Pink and Margaret Wheatley. I mean, share a little bit about your focus with this book. Okay. Well, that book, I was teaching full time and I had a sabbatical and you have to have a research project when you're having a sabbatical. And so it's kind of interesting because it was around 2004 and Jim Collins was on a book tour. His book, Good to Great, had just come out. So I, I paid, you know, and again, this is 2004. Maybe it doesn't seem like a lot of money now, but $100 a ticket just so that I could go listen to Jim Collins, but I wanted to hang around. So I wanted to ask him a question at the end. So I was like the last person in line. And I said, uh, you know, I'd like to, I'm going to have a sabbatical. I'd like to come. Can I shadow you? Can I come work with you? Can I be an apprentice? You know, I want to learn from you. And he said, well, I've never been asked that question before. And long story short, he said, well, he said, uh, you know, what I'll let you do is why don't you call me and I'll give you an hour of my time. And so out of that hour, and at that point in time, he charged $5,000 an hour, but he didn't charge me. He said, I'll give you an hour of my time and you can just ask me questions. So out of that conversation, he said, you know, there are a lot of leadership books out there, seven principles of this, five habits of that. He said, everybody has their own kind of take on it. But who's synthesizing? Who's really making it meaningful? And he said, why don't you interview people and pull it together and really identify the themes? So that's what I did. I set out to do that like in 2004 and five, kept working on it. And then when I left full-time teaching in 2011, I did a deep dive and the book was published in 2013. Um, And out of the the research, each chapter is a major theme. And what I find interesting about this book is the theme that tended to resonate, Steve, with most people was the theme on leaders live their legacy. So then I started doing more research on legacy work, and then that led me to, you know, my current book. But this whole idea of, um, you know, when, when do we leave our legacy and what is a leadership legacy? And I've done, done workshops on this. So that really got people's attention. And then that kind of led to the next book. That's awesome. I appreciate it. The, uh, that's, that's, that's cool that you, uh, waited in line to ask Jim Collins that question. I, I'm yeah. impressed. That's, that's good. <laughs> that's so cool. Um, so let's talk about you as a leader. I mean, do you have a main lesson that you learned that helped you be successful? Well, what I would say is, um, you know, it's e- it's easy to write about leadership. I, I find it easy to write about it, read about it, study it, teach it. I mean, I just I'm obsessed with it. When I left when I left my full time teaching job, I had an endowed chair in leadership and character development, and I just really love the whole idea of leadership. But it's but it's another thing to practice it. It's hard. Um, 
But what I find is, what I've learned is, a lot of it is, um, you know, leaders really need to understand that uh, their their job is to develop other leaders. Okay, so the leader, it's not really about the leader. It's how well are you developing others? And I often say leaders should clear obstacles and not be the obstacle. And again, in workshops, I'll say, how many of you have worked for a leader who was really the problem, the obstacle? And hands again, just shoot up in the air. And if you really want to be a good leader, it's kind of like getting out of the way, finding out what people need. And I say the most important question that leaders can ask is, how can I support you? How can I support you? And um, again, notice that it's open-ended. You never know what you're going to hear, but, and then get out of the way, try to, try to help them get what they need and then get out of the way. Oh, I love that. That's, you know, cause yeah, I, I've worked for a couple <laughs> of for any bad leaders yeah. right. or leaders who were in the way. Yeah. Right. Or, or, or at least, they don't see themselves as having that role, which is unfortunate because then you find yourself down the road having this gap that they probably easily could have helped you address by making sure you got a chance to meet Jim Collins sure. or you got a chance to to sit and ask questions or uh, be in some training that would have helped <laughs> yes. as opposed to having the position and then going, hmm, this is an interesting one. I'm not sure I know what yeah. to do here. <laughs> Um, what a good point. I, I, you know, uh, one of the things that, uh, that, that kind of leads me to is, you know, so we talk about it individual lesson. I mean, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, a leader needs to learn to be better at is how to lead an organization. So not just themselves or, or working with other people. Uh, what do you think, uh, um, in leading an organization, a leader needs to, you know, learn a little bit about or figure out, or what's, what's that thing that kind of glares at you like that? Well, you know, you read you read about how leaders should do this, but I don't think many leaders do. And that is surround yourself with people who, you know, compliment you so that you have a leadership team, J just like, you know, here we are in March Madness. You know, the whole idea, of, it's fun and I like basketball. So it's fun to look at, you know, the teams that really work well together, you know, that you can tell that, you know, they have different strengths, but as a team, they're stronger than they are as individuals. And I think leaders, one of my chapters, well, I've, I, I address this in both the Leading with Wisdom book, and then I have a chapter on it in uh, my latest book called, well, this chapter is called um, Become a Nobody. But it's really about ego, that too much of our lives, we're, we're striving to be a somebody, and um, that's ego again. And when people are out for themselves, they're often threatened by other smart people or other people who might be able to do something better than they. And I would say that the strongest leaders understand, you know, I need to have so-and-so on my team. I need, you know, just like a coach, you would say, gosh, you know, our point guard, you know, is graduating from college. You know, we need another point guard. And so, you know, you want to have people who can play to their strengths in the right positions in order to build a strong leadership team. And I think that would be key is, you know, if you've got a strong leadership team, you know, the organization is just uh, going to move in the right direction. That's excellent. You know, and I, you know, it's funny because one of the things that you, um, you hear a lot about and you know, hopefully you pay attention to is the idea that you're just talking about, about surrounding yourself with people who uh, compliment or, you know, you know, I, I like 
the idea that some people say that, that are even, you know, they're smarter than you. They have something yeah. that they're, they're going to go after and you, as opposed to the opposite, who's the leader who surrounds themselves with, with people that they uh, feel like they can dominate over and know um, more than. So, right. Yeah. I, let, I love that type of discussion. Cause I think that's, you know, it's when you find people who are really go-getters and they have something they want to achieve and so forth, it's awesome what you can achieve with <laughs> if you get other I mean, I wrote two books with two different women, and both of them, um, ironically, are very detail-oriented. I'm more of a big picture, um, and so we just complemented each other so well. And they both of them said they wouldn't have had the book without me, and I know I wouldn't have had the book without them. So... Um, and it makes it more enjoyable if you can play to your strengths. That, that's so awesome. It, it sure would. Yeah, it sure would. If you can, you know, as opposed to trying to fill in the gap, if you're not an I, if you're not a, a detail oriented person and you're trying to be, it can make become miserable. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, um, love it. So we're starting to get closer to talking a little bit about your, your latest book. So uh, what I'd like to do is, as a lead in is, you know, often, times, and I heard you mention just briefly, um, you know, something that is lacking is the thought about thinking in terms of legacy. You know, the leader wants to live and leave behind. I mean, could you talk about this? Talk about this thought about legacy. What are we talking about? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, as I said, my Leading with Wisdom book um, had a chapter that was a theme in the research where leaders live their legacy. And so in workshops, I would say, well, when do we leave our legacy? And people would say, well, when we leave, and I'd say, well, when we leave what? Well, when we leave a job, when we retire, we leave a career, when we die, when we, we leave the earth. And I, I would say, well, what about when I leave this workshop today? What about when we leave this conversation? So we're leaving our legacy all the time in bite-sized pieces. And then I came up and with the phrase breadcrumb legacy that we're leaving crumbs all the time. And I trademarked that concept. Um, and that really resonates with people because I think it can be, you know, again, legacy is not for the rich and famous. It's not for the end of life because we don't know when the end is. So therefore breadcrumb legacy can be like your guiding light. It can be your true North. It can be your North star. You know, it can really kind of keep you on the right path. If you're thinking about, you know, I'm having an impact on people all the time. It may not be the impact I want to have if I'm not thinking about it, if I'm not intentional. And so that's where I'm coming with this concept. And, you know, legacy has really become um, kind of magnified, Steve, given the given COVID, because COVID was so devastating and people, you know, you know, the millions of people dying and and industries dying and companies dying and jobs disappearing. I mean, people were experiencing just um, significant loss, large and small, over and over and over. And so legacy, you know, I think death became front and center. And then people started thinking about, well, what's the meaning of life? And what do I want to be doing? And is this how I want to spend my time? I mean, I think COVID, when the world kind of shut down, gave people a time to pause and reset and reboot and really rethink how they want to live their lives. And legacy, you know, emerged. And, you know, for athletes, 
they tend to age out of their profession much earlier than the rest of us. So, you know, Roger Federer, I'm a Roger Federer fan, and he'd been asked for years, you know, when's Roger going to retire? When's Roger going to retire? You know, what's his legacy and what's he want his legacy to be? And what I really liked is when, yeah, Serena, what I really liked when she retired, because I say I have a podcast called Becoming a Sage. And I say that I'm out to retire the word retirement because we're not retiring but we're moving on. And what are we moving on to? And that takes some time and intentional thought. And I really liked when Serena said, she said, I'm not retiring. I'm evolving away from tennis. Nice. (laughs) And I really like that phrase. You know, what are we, because evolving implies growth, you know, that I'm continuing to grow, but I'm going to grow maybe away from what I was doing before, you know, or maybe it's related, but, So this whole idea of legacy because of COVID has become even more important. I think people are really thinking about what difference am I making? And um, I often quote Jane Goodall, you know, the uh, anthropologist, and she says, we're all making a difference. What kind of difference do you want to make? And so I think legacy ties a lot of that all together. That's nice. That's, uh, it's, such a big, uh, big deal because it, it, you know, in, in the past, it's sim- you know the idea of retiring simply mm-hmm. meant that uh, you know you're we're going to give you a party, going to get a gold watch, a pin, or something like that, and we're going to say goodbye, and uh, and maybe it's going to be a life of fishing or you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever your world's going to bring to you. And I, I like I, it's it's cool what you're talking about is uh, like what Serena said is that yeah figure something else out and you know and it's it's funny because Federer's been around for a long time and uh you know and it, I it, it, part of it I could see him taking time to um to kind of figure things out or do something he's always wanted to do that he couldn't do while he's on the circuit but then exactly. I don't then you don't then you see him reappearing somehow so <laughs> yeah exactly well I'm gonna I, I miss watching him play so yeah, he was he was amazing. That was uh, there's some of them because, um, you know, just as a note, uh, um, long time ago, one of my favorite memories is I got a chance to see a, a, a uh, an event that was uh, done for. Uh, um, I'm trying to remember what they AT and T sponsored this event, and by the way, they don't sponsor this podcast, so I'm just <laughs> but they sponsored the. Uh, um, this tennis event, and it was one of those things that was done for uh, um, some sort of charity that they were giving the money to. And two of the star liners that they had were from the past, and it was uh, um, McEnroe and Jimmy Connors. And uh, and it was hilarious because, you know, they were still in their great form. And um, if you ever watched uh, um, McEnroe play, you never knew when, you know, the tennis racket's going to be right throw it on the ground or he's going to get mad at the 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 chair or something yeah. and uh so he and jimmy obviously staged a few of these which much to the crowds <laughs> <laughs> loving it um the uh because it, it was cool it was inside a indoor arena and they had filled everything in there and it was uh never forget that but it was it's funny because in recent times although uh, uh more recent audiences may not understand um i've seen 
McEnroe appear on commercials where they <laughs> they go yeah. and he just makes a little brief little um, appearance where you know he's blowing up about something. <laughs> so yes, yes. it's funny. He's found a different way of reti- <laughs> retiring as yeah, well. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting. Uh, you know, one of, uh, with breadcrumb legacy. Uh, how great leaders live a life worth remembering. Are there some themes that you kind of found as you talked with these different leaders and such? Is there something that uh, you kind of want to share with us that they'll find when a reader gets your book? Yeah, exactly. Well, again, the chapters are, are themes and I used, you know, I was engaged in qualitative research, which just means I interviewed people and then identified themes. And so, you know, one theme is purpose, you know, that in real, in order to really live a life worth remembering, um, people have to have a purpose and a meaning. And it doesn't have to be with a big P. It could be with a little P. You know, what, what's going to get you out of bed in the morning? Um, and, it, you know, I, I say to people, particularly if they read, I mean, I think it's important at any age and any stage. And notice that I have leader in the title, subtitle, but I say the most important person to lead is yourself. So, you know, that's why this book is really for anybody and everybody. Um, So at any age, you need to be thinking about, you know, what's my purpose? I mean, if it's really hard to get out of bed in the morning, you're probably not engaged in whatever it is you're doing and, um, you know, look for something else. So, but again, I encourage people to discover, explore, try things out, um, but it really does help to have something that kind of lights your fire, okay? And then another chapter's on death and dying. It's called Embracing Death. And I actually had a TED talk, TEDx talk on this called Embracing Death, Seeing Life Through a Different Lens. And I would just say that if this interests your listeners at all, they could find it on YouTube, uh, either by searching my name and TEDx or remembering the title Embracing Death. Um, but it's about, you know, really thinking about when you embrace death and you're freer to live. And there's all kinds of research on this that, um, you know, we don't know when the end is. So that's why, you know, we need to be thinking about what difference are we making today? Because we don't know. Things can happen overnight, accidents. Um, you know, somebody was telling me how his brother, just, you know, in his, I think he said he was 52, just heart attack gone, you know? So, you know, again, this whole idea of embracing death makes you really think about, am I living life in the way that I want? I mentioned earlier becoming nobody, which is just about controlling your ego, not letting your ego get out of control. And um, I think a lot of toxic environments get created by leaders who are just um, letting their ego run their life. Uh, another chapter is on relationships. Um, you know, if I, I've done a lot of research on happiness and uh, longevity and all of this. And well, first of all, people who have a purpose tend to live seven and a half years longer than those who don't. People who have a companion through life also live longer and tend to live healthier lives. So this whole idea of relationship, um, if I had to summarize all of the happiness research into one word, I would say it's relationship. You know, that somebody on their deathbed, you know, isn't usually saying, oh, I should have gotten that promotion or I wish I would have taken a different job. No, they're really thinking about, you know, are my relationships in order? And, you know, relationships, uh, connection is protection. And so, 
you know, and what happens as we get older is, you know, people retire, move away. Some people die. We've had some friends. My husband's best friend just died about a month ago um, from a uh, blood cancer. Um, you know, people die, move away, uh, retire. Some friends, you know, don't reciprocate, don't want to put any energy into it. Um, you know, our, our, our circle of friends tends to shrink. And um, there's all kinds of research that says intergenerational learning, you know, mentor somebody, you know, let somebody else teach you something, this whole idea of, you know, give and take and live and learn. Um, so relationships um, are critical. And then, then I've got, you know, clearly a chapter on legacy. So those are kind of the main themes that emerge that if you really want to live a life worth remembering, I would say another key word is be intentional, be thinking about how do you want to be remembered and then live your life that way. And the earlier you understand that, the better off you are. That's so awesome because, you know, it, it really is something that, you know, uh, um, when you work with kids, a lot of them, they think that they got to find their purpose right now. And it's like, let's live life a little bit and figure out yeah. What, yeah. What, you, what you want to do. But I know a lot of adults who then the same thing, they have never really thought about it. And so they're just kind of living whatever life has brought them as opposed to living some plan. And I think it's interesting what you talk about, because I think a lot of, uh, um, the idea of having some sort of purpose, uh, you know, that, uh, you, you keep that connection, you keep that, that drive or whatever it is that you're going, going to do, or that, uh, drives you, I guess, is the, is the point. Yeah. And I think two other key words are to stay relevant and to stay engaged. You know, so relevant just means, you know, uh, stay current. You know, that doesn't mean you need to know everything about everything else. But what happens is some people withdraw and, you know, they then become kind of isolated. And if you're not having conversations, you know, there's, again, a whole body of research on uh, lots of people want to age in place, which just means I want to stay in my own home as long as I can. And the research would say that's not really that healthy because um, if you're not getting out and about, people aren't coming, you know, you're not really interacting, you're not socializing. That's why you see, well, clearly there are retirement communities, but they're also like in cities or even in my city, I'm in Des Moines, Iowa, which is the capital, but we're seeing more and more kind of fancy apartments, lofts being made where people are downsizing, but it's kind of like going back to college again. You know, you're, you're like in a dorm environment where, you know, you're, you're, they have parties, they're socializing, they have gatherings, you know? Um, and I think all of that's very healthy. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, um, you know, it's, it, it is something that, you know, you talk about, uh, like in, in my world, I'm in education, I work with, uh, lots of different types of leaders. Uh, um, but if you talk about the principals and the assistant superintendents and superintendents and such, you know, one of the things that happens in education is that they get to a point where they may not know what they're going to do next. And they start thinking about, and I would think this is in all career fields. It's kind of like, even when you're talking about, I mean, if, if, if we talk about a tennis star, you know, an athlete, you know, with, you see this a lot with athletes who are high paid where they don't know when to retire <laughs> and, you, and you wonder if it's because they're really kind of afraid of it that, uh, you know, what do I do next? All I've been doing is doing this stuff. It gives me purpose. It makes, makes me know what comes next. And so what happens if 
Nobody wants oh, I me. Think very true. I think I think a lot of athletes really struggle. And you know, think about gymnasts. You know, they often age out at eighteen. Or, yes. You know, so I mean, I think that I think a lot of people really struggle, especially when that's all they've been doing since probably age five. Or you right. know, um, and and they do struggle and blow a lot of blow a lot. I mean, you see a lot of sad stories about professional athletes. It's and it's it's sad because they got all the attention. <laughs> And, all, and I'm talking about big name ones who have all the attention and all the, the money. And then they, they start doing, making some poor decisions, which is like, right. you, know, you just wonder if it's because they're afraid of, you know, letting go or can I make something else happen? Or what if people don't want to see me anymore? And, you know, and it's that type of thing. And it, you know, it happens in, in my world. One of the things that happens is a, it's a kind of common thing to see someone who used to be in some leadership position um, now selling yearbooks or selling rings or or working with construction companies and that type of thing. And it's, um, and you know that it's part of trying to figure out how to keep some sort of connection going. Yeah, I know. Well, that's why I say it, it, a lot of people, especially if they have, if they're set for money, then it's really easy to withdraw. And just all of a sudden it's like, they disappear. Like what happened to them, you know? so I think it's really important to be thinking about these concepts. And I often say when people make, um, I'd say it takes about five years to really kind of make a transition. Some people do encore careers. I tend to de- define work as contribution. So, you know, how might you continue to contribute to the world or contribute to causes that are important to you? And you can do that as a volunteer. You could do it part-time. I'm actually in an encore career. So, um, which I, I like a lot, you know, and, um, but I still have kind of freedom and flexibility as to how I spend my time, which is a gift. That, that's so awesome. That's, you know, and one of the things that leads me to is a question about, you know, um, when you get upwards in age, um, you start uh-huh. questioning whether it, am I done, you know, and I, as we're talking about legacy and so forth, I mean, the, the whole question about whether I'm done um, or is there more in the tank? I don't, you know, I can describe this in many different ways, but I'm going to describe it in that way. Like um, there's a, um, a, a trainer of leaders that I like listening to. He talks about give it one more. And he talks about it in terms of like if you're in the in the gym and you, you know, you're, you're bench pressing or you're doing some exercise and you, you try and give it one more. And he and you know, one of the things that I like to think about is that sometimes I think we get to that point where it's like, do I have one more? Do I have the ability to do one more or that uh, in the, you know, whatever role that I'm, uh, I'm playing, can I, um, I've been able to do this. Now I seem to, I've kind of flattened out. Is it possible that I could get re-energized by, by doing that one more someplace else or something? I, I don't know if you've run into that as you talk about this or. Yeah. I mean, I think it goes back to how I, how I define work that, you know, I would, I would look at it like, you know, how might I contribute? You know, I have a personal mission statement and my mission statement is I want to continue to learn and share what I'm learning through others. So I do that through writing. I have a, a column and training magazine, both in print and online that I write for every issue. Um, sometimes I write for a local publication, um, you know, writing these books. I mentioned I have a monthly podcast. I also have a monthly newsletter. So if your listeners like anything they've heard today, they could go to my website, which is janfreed.com, two N's and two E's. And they can subscribe to my monthly newsletter. I actually have one coming out tomorrow. I think it's tomorrow. 
um, where I just, and it's easy to read. It's not long. And um, the people can follow me on LinkedIn, but you know, how might you, you know, I guess I would advise your listeners to say, okay, what is it? I really, what skills do I have? What really, you know, energizes me? And then where might I contribute those skills, that energy? And it could be to a volunteer cause. It could be, you know, to a not-for-profit. Um, but I would encourage people to look for something that kind of is part of a community. Doesn't have to be faith-based, but you know, a, a group where you, <clears throat> where the group gets together, and uh, so you have that interaction. You have that intergenerational uh, learning back and forth. Cool. Yeah. Excellent. I appreciate you talking about that. I, you know, it's uh, um, one of the things that we're never done, Steve. We're never done. I like that. I like that. I I really do. And I think that's something that sometimes we have to convince others that we're never done. But, uh, (laughs) but, and you know, I do think that leadership as a leadership can, it does have a shelf life. You know, I don't think it's good to, like, I could have continued to stay in my full time teaching job because I was tenured and all that, but I just felt like I wanted to do something else before I was really too old to do it. And, um, and I wanted to give somebody else the opportunity to do what I was doing. So I don't think we're ever done. I love that. That's awesome. I need to make a, put that above my door as I walk out so I can read it as I go out. You're not done. Not done. done. Love that. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Um, Jan, what what could someone expect if they engaged you as a coach? Uh, what might that that work out? What, what, what do you do? What do, what does that look like? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I tend to look at like uh, in before COVID. You know, um, I was most of my clients were local, and so we would meet in person. But uh, now I do most of the coaching on Zoom. So, you know, around the country, it's, it doesn't have they you know, my clients are not just local anymore. And um, there's kind of what I would call a little bit of homework, but we start off with, again, self-awareness. And as I said, I developed my mission statement by kind of going through this coaching process. So this whole idea of, you know, we talk about values and how do you see, how do you want to live the rest of your life? And one of the things that I often do with coaching clients is I will often coach two for the price of one. And what I mean by that is if someone's in a significant relationship, I think it's really important to have um, that uh, partner person on the same page. And so I will say that, you know, you can bring your significant other We I can coach both of you for the price of one, because I want to have, I want you to have these facilitated conversations because what I find is I was doing a workshop a couple of years ago and this was in person. Actually, it was right before COVID. So it was in person and after the workshop and it was called beyond money, beyond the money, because I created these workshops. So much of retirement planning is focused on financial. You know, are you financially set to retire? Right. I created these workshops that are focused on the non-financial aspect of retirement. Are you ready for everything else? If you've got the money in place, are you ready? Are you prepared for uh, beyond the money? You know, and um, a, a VP of a big of the biggest hospital in town, hospital center, came up to me afterwards and he said, "Jan, I'm telling you," he said, "I'm 68 years old. My wife and I, you know, 
we know we were, we've got to be close to retirement, but he said, all I've ever done my whole life is work. We only have one grandchild. We talk about spending time with the grandchild, but he said, we've never had conversations about how we want to live the rest of our life. And he said, I'm 68. And I said, well, you know, it's time to have those conversations. And so anyway, he was telling me how, you know, he really, really found the workshop helpful. So, um, so I think that's important, you know, to really, you know, envision how do you want to spend your time and your resource, all your resources, time, money, energy. And how does that look like if you're in a relationship? How does that affect the other person? I'm sure you've heard the old joke. I married you for better, for worse, but not for lunch. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> And so, you know, it really, you know, I mean, you hear, you hear people say all the time, gosh, this was a real adjustment. I wasn't used to having him around all the time, you know, (laughs) and so (laughs) I married you for better, for worse, but not for lunch. I love that. That's awesome. Cause I, uh, in my, in my world, I've been working where I drove and lived in another community that was a couple hours away. Um, cause it was easier just to stay there. So that I had sure. this advancement and I, but I did that for eight years and, uh, wow. I had an opportunity to, to come back, uh, and be near home in a position where I could drive home at night. And, yeah. and, uh, so my wife and I talked about it and I could have stayed, but it, I said, this is probably a good time in my, in my life to do this, to make this adjustment. Well, we had to have this conversation and it was funny because my wife said to me, she goes, you know, I don't cook every night. And I said, yes, I know. I said, I also need you to know that I've been eating soup out of a can pretty much microwaving it (laughs) (laughs) every night. And, and, uh, and so we've had those, that adjustment that you're talking about, which is to say, in our case, it wasn't lunch. It was, you know, dinner and being in the house at night because she was used to having, you know, Sunday through Thursday night (laughs) to herself. (laughs) But yeah, it's uh, an adjustment. It's an adjustment. That it is. That it is. So good stuff. uh, Jan, I know you mentioned a couple of those things, but if you could repeat again, some of the places that if someone wanted to follow up and connect with you, where's the best place for for them to go? Because I'll put them in my show notes. Sure. Well, the best place is uh, my website, janfree.com, two N's and two E's. And as I said, I have a monthly, if, if, if a person subscribes, you would get a monthly newsletter and a monthly podcast. And again, I said the, the newsletter is easy to read. And what I do is I try to focus on sharing what I'm learning. And so I talk about what I'm reading, what I'm watching, what I'm thinking. And so, um, uh, and the other place, a good place to find me is LinkedIn. I share a lot of uh, things on LinkedIn. And I'm also on Instagram. I'm picking up the pace on Instagram. I was a little late to the game, but um, I'm, ha- I'm having some fun on Instagram. So, again, just search for Jan Freed. Um, I do a little bit on Twitter, but not much. Um, and Facebook. I am on Facebook. I actually have a private Facebook group called Becoming a Sage that someone can uh, request to be a member. And I only post in that uh, Facebook group. I encourage the community. The whole focus is on kind of positive aging, conscious aging. So that's a focus there in that private Facebook group. And I talk about that in my newsletter too. So I would love it if people would, um, if I've said anything interesting, I hope you'll look for more. 
Awesome. And I will put information in the show notes, links and so forth, so they can go come find you and uh, good stuff. I, I will say that on my website, I do have a 20% discount from the publisher for my latest book. And um, I would encourage people if they're interested in the book to use that discount because um, I don't know, the book is a little pricey. And uh, so I would encourage people to use a discount. So. Excellent. Awesome. So uh, just remind everybody that that, uh, that if you go purchase her book, you got a, got a chance for that, that 20% discount. So good stuff. So, so I'll put those links in my show notes. So uh, that'd be awesome. So people can come find you. And uh, I got last two questions for you, Jan, before we finish up. And they're questions that I like to ask my guests. And the first one, first one is, how do you keep going when so much is going on that you may want to quit? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, I think it goes back to that purpose again, that, you know, I wake up and it's like, oh, gosh, I've got all, all these things that excite me that I want to be involved in, you know. Um, and I, you know, I, I mentioned relationships. I think it's important who you hang around because um, it influences kind of your lifestyle. And so you want to hang around positive, healthy people, you know, find them, find the organization that um, where they are. And because I think that influences how you feel. Love it. Awesome. And last question, do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? I do. And my, uh, I have a perfect example because um, my, I wouldn't have any of my books if it weren't for Dr. Elmer Burak. And Elmer, I even, I dedicate, I dedicated this, the newest book and the last book, Leading with Wisdom, to Elmer. And I even have the last chapter in my book, A Breadcrumb Legacy, is chapter eight, What Would Elmer Do? Nice. And I talk all about Elmer. And uh, he just influenced me in such a positive way, um, and so he definitely is a role model. I think of him all the time. Uh, uh, he died in 2012 and he was 82. So, but I still think of Elmer and uh, we, we had so many conversations that I can ask myself, what would Elmer do? What advice would he give me? And, and something comes to mind. So, and I thanked him all the time. In fact, he would say, Jan, you don't have to thank me anymore. I used to say he was my Tuesdays with Maury. He was my Excellent. Maury. Yes, yes. He'd say, Jan, you don't have to thank me. You thank me enough. You don't have to remember my birthday. You don't. I said, I need to remember you every time I have, every chance I have. So that's a, that's the easiest question I can answer for you today, Steve. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that answer. Thank you so much. Uh, Jan, thanks so much for talking with me. I, I love your focus. Your book, Bread Crumb Legacy, How Great Leaders Live a Life Worth Remembering, is powerful. And I love that concept of looking at uh, people's legacy and their purpose. Um, I'm wishing you the best in all you do. Thank you very much. Hey, you have been listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the Education Podcast Network, podcast for educators, podcast by educators. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. The opinions expressed on Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. 
Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmaletto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much. You're awesome.